Hey everybody, welcome back to another movie review um, of the Chippa Made This movie review. That's right, this is Chris Chipman, a.k.a. the Chippa. Um, and if you're hearing me for the first time, welcome. Um, if you're a longtime fan of my stuff, um, you can... Uh, Either way, find me by searching The Chippa Made This. Um, you'll find multiple podcasts. You'll find my Patreon, patreon.com slash The Chippa, which helps me put out content like this and also helps support um, my family as a second income. I really appreciate it. Um, so why are we here today? Well, um, I've been uh, reviewing for most of the month of October things for Salem Horror Fest, and you will get more reviews for Salem Horror Fest before October is out and probably into November. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I am. Um, I've been reviewing newer movies, um, and I have a very exciting um, review to share with you because I was able to see um, Marvel's new film Eternals. Um, pretty decent amount of time before it came out. Um, it comes out on uh, November the 5th. Um, I'm recording this more than a week prior to its release, and you'll be hearing it more than a week prior to its release. So um, I'm really, really, really honored that I got a chance to do this, and I'm happy to share uh, my thoughts on the film with all of you. Now, I'm going to give a spoiler warning only in that if you don't want to know anything about the film Eternals, even on the is it good, is it bad, is it indifferent um, level, I'm going to be talking about a little bit of stuff. It's going to be hard to review said movie without mentioning a lot about the film, but I am not going to blow any of the big plot points, especially anything that may or may not have more to do with the greater Marvel Universe, and in particular, the um, post credit scenes that the film had um, that we got to see. I've heard earlier critic screenings of this. They were actually left out of the movie. Um, they were in this one, but I won't be discussing any of those at all. So with that, here is my review, Chris Chipman's review of Eternals. Um, Eternals is a 2021 film. It was directed by Chloe Zhao. That's Oscar winner Chloe Zhao. Um, it's awesome that, uh, they got her in to do a Marvel film and, um, you know, we'll talk about, uh, how well that came out in a moment. Um, it was written by Chloe Zhao, Patrick Burley, Ryan Furpo and Kaz Furpo. And the cast, um, is big, um, as is the case with any of these films. But, uh, this one falls into more of the guardians of the galaxy category where you're getting introduced to a whole slew of brand new characters to this universe all at once in a single film. And, um, this, cast was top notch. I'll talk about some of them in particular, but I just want to say that to start. They were definitely up to the task. Um, there's going to be some, some favorites moving forward. Um, you know, if, if they continue on, um, with, uh, the other stuff in the franchise, which it's a Marvel movie. So of course, some of these people are going to be returning. Um, Gemma Chan as Cersei, Richard Madden as Icarus, Angelina Jolie as Athena, Salma Hayek as Ajak, Kit Harrington as Dane Whitman, Kumal Nanjiani as Kingo, Leah McHugh as Sprite, one of my absolute favorite characters from the film, Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos, Lauren Ridloff as Makari, Barry Kogan as Druig, um, Druig, 
They pronounced it differently depending on who said his name. You'll remember him from The Killing of the Sacred Deer. That movie is extraordinarily unnerving, and he was fantastic in that and carries a similar sort of um, super serious, for for a lot of it, um, odd. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's the odd duck of the group, and he has got a darkness about him, and it's wonderful. Um, Ma Dong-Syuk as Gilgamesh. Um, he's credited as Don Lee. Um, Harish Patel as Karun. Um, he is uh, following along Kingo. He's uh, the director, producer of his films, and he follows him around as a valet in this and um, brings a lot of the films. Um, very needed at times comic relief that works really well. Um, Haz Slayman as Ben and Issei Daniel Cross as Jack. And there are way, 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 way more um, extra characters than that. And you're just going to have to go see it to see them all. But that makes up the core group of folks in the film. Um, the synopsis, um, you know, that the internet is using, IMDb is using um, for Eternals is the saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. And they really do a, a lot with that. Um, this is a big sprawling many location many time periods film um it has a lot more akin to um and level of quality a lot of people didn't like the constant world hopping and everything of uh the the openings of films like rogue one but this movie's jumping around a lot a lot like kind of they did in civil war we're going from um place to place and seeing different time periods and things within the story that really helped to drive the narrative and the characters but the, the length of this film it's not stuffed with constant non-stop jokes and action scenes and quick moving wit you know it, it it's not paced like a guardians of the galaxy film that's one of the first things you'll find with this it's paced like um a bigger thinky sci-fi fantasy film um it has a lot more akin in its pacing to a film like dune or a film like lord of the rings it's got a grandiose to what's going on where the the movie wants to give the scenes and the characters time to breathe and you know as of me reviewing this film, it's got a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. All of you have been screaming for years and years and years and years and years for Marvel to do something different. And, you know, yeah, Marvel has a formula. It can be seen. Things are safe. This movie has some bits of that formula in it. But there isn't a Marvel film that's been made that looks like this. This is as different looking and different paced and different made to... Um, the majority of the Marvel films as something like watching Shazam after watching um, Batman versus Superman. You know what I mean? They're just very differently made things existing in the same universe and with the same tools, but it, it really feels like a, a director with a vision um, had a chance to really pull off something that wasn't just the same previs and second unit crew um, doing everything else for them. Whether that makes it better or makes it worse, you know, to me, it just makes it different and it makes it refreshing. I really, really love most, if not all, of the Marvel films in one way or another. And this one really, really, really feels like it is raising the bar for what these movies can be and how they can be made. Is it perfect? No, not by a long shot. It takes a lot of swings. Um, it misses some of them. Um, but I love it. I really do. I, I was riveted the entire time through. I liked 
the way um, the characters were established. Um, just like with what James Gunn did with Guardians of the Galaxy, you immediately just fall in love with this group. They get along as you expect. They feel lived in. These characters feel like they have known each other for as long as they do. And um, it, it's really fantastic to watch play out and um it's big uh the, the scope of the movie is big the storyline is big it, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out when we reveal more things after it or how this plays out within the timeline especially with everything with wandavision and loki that's happened but um for the most part the film is a very self-contained thing with only winks and inklings to the the greater sphere of things and how it's affected you know as you can probably tell from the trailers you know it introduces the idea of eternals it introduces the idea of superheroes that are looked at as gods um and i can't talk about superheroes that are looked at as gods without talking about Zack snyder's treatment of the dc superheroes that he was putting in his films he definitely was shooting those and pacing those and giving the grandiose views and looks and sometimes really heavy handed spoon feeding of exactly what he was trying to say um, of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, these superheroes as godlike characters. And all I kept thinking the whole time I was watching this, and again, I've gone on record as saying that I actually liked Zack Snyder's Snyder cut of the justice league. It's, a little bit, you know, one note in its pacing all the way through. It's big and stuffed and has a lot going on and a lot of big ideas that I really wish he had been given more movies to flesh out because even at the length it's at, it is huge and there's a lot going on. But this movie is definitely using that same approach to how it is handling superhumans as gods. And, um, Nothing is more apparent in the way that they film Icarus with his powers being very similar to Superman's um, with the flying and the laser vision and the, 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 the fear of that he comes off as scary oftentimes. And it's, it's quite interesting how much that paralleled with, you know, Snyder's more cinematic grandiose approach to the material. Um, it's as if, you know, someone uh, with, with a little bit of a better script and better pacing in mind than what he had in front of him, um, was, you know, using that same idea and it, it was really cool and very different. I can see why this is rubbing people differently to see that play out in the Marvel cinematic universe, which usually handles its superheroes in a different way. So, um, it, it's interesting that they took that chance and used that approach. Um, it also feels a lot more risky. It feels like there's a lot more at stake. People can die. People are in love. People have sex. Um, the, the joke is going around that there's a sex scene in this movie. There is. It's a PG-13 sex scene, but there's no way to explain away what's going on. It, it's two people with their clothes off having sex. And, um, and not in a goofy, silly way, not for like a joke. There's no, it's just literally to show that these two people are in love. It's very important. It's a central theme to the story of the film. There's also a gay couple, um, and not in the, you know, punchline kind of way that gay people are normally used in films and not as a background thing at the end of a star Wars film or for a way to Disney to get patted on the back for, um, not saying it, but showing, I mean, these, this is a guy and another guy who have a family and they kiss and they say they love each other just like, 
a cis couple would in a movie, you know, or there, there's no special attention being played to it. They just are. And I think it's wonderful. Um, and that's like only two out of like the 10 uncharacteristic to Marvel and uncharacteristic to Disney for that matter, things that happen in this film, but I'll let some of those be a surprise. Another thing that I found really cool and whether it's a fun wink or whether it's, you know, the writers kind of poking fun at the fact that they're making movies for Marvel or whatever, but Batman and Superman are known things in this universe, whether they're known as comic characters, whether they're known as being a real thing, they're referenced kind of similarly to the way, um, Aunt May in Spider-Man said, you know, Peter, you don't have to do everything for everyone. You're not Superman, you know. There's a couple lines like that, but instead of choosing, you're not Steve Rogers or you're not Iron Man or whatever, they use those. And I thought that was a really clever and really nice and refreshing, you know, instead of them doubling down on something else they know, like they could have done, you're not Luke Skywalker, you know, or something. But no, they choose Superman and Batman. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, So what else? The movie, like I said, it's really cool to see Marvel a Marvel movie playing with a more grown up tone and visual palette. Now, I'm not saying that you know this is some high art like Martin Scorsese, you know, kind of movie that's super, super, super deep. But in terms of what they normally put on screen, this is going to be causing, um, I'd say, more you know like audiences that just, oh, another Marvel movie, I'm going and I don't care. This is going to cause them to think a lot more than they're used to going to the cinema. There's bigger ideas in this. They're trying for a kind of, you know, 101 version of the kind of stuff that a movie like The Fountain or Tree of Life or, um, you know, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, you know, these ideas of these philosophical discussions of what our place is, what makes a human human, what would a God look at a human and living among humans take out of seeing us suffer and take out of seeing us love, but not looking like someone that can love that way. You can see where the overtones go here and they really lean into it and it comes off as one of the most emotionally fulfilling and emotional roller coaster rides they've really made. There's, there's times to, to lament and mourn in this movie. There's times to cheer and there's times to smile, but it's definitely more serious and, um, just a different approach from what they've normally been doing. And I, and I really like to see it. Um, like I said, for a, Mass market film, it's also really weird. Um, it deals with some pretty hefty concepts. Um, it's going to blow the minds of, of normal audiences or younger audiences. You know, think about like a, an eight or a nine year old who loves Marvel. Um, and then think about them seeing Endgame when they're eight or nine, like, and that just kind of being like, holy shit, like, what's going on? This is, you know, a very like, hey, you ever question like what you have faith in you ever question why you are who you are. These are, these are bigger topics and this movie kind of makes you think about them and doesn't shy away from the murkier, messier answers. And again, for a mass market film, this isn't going to be, you know, someone's perfect, you know, um, AP or, you know, Harvard philosophy class level stuff here, but it's definitely going outside the comfort zone of what these formulas normally do. Um, with the character Sprite, I talked about Sprite being one of my favorite characters. And I said, they hit on lots of various ideas. Some of them, you know, they're in these things a lot, you know, an outcast being marginalized. Um, 
the very idea of what it means to be human. It's a lot to rest on the shoulders of um, a younger actor, and Liam McHugh really nails it. There's there's scenes of of this character just telling you, you know, I've spent my whole life trapped at the same age, and I've realized seeing humans love and grow up, but I can't because it wouldn't look right. It's like I'm I'm mature and I know how to love, but I can't. And this, it's a very complicated topic because you're hearing a child say this, and um, it it it's really quite fascinating. Um, the movie looks looks great. Um, it should be the new gold standard for how these movies look. It instead of it looking like it was you know rendered in a computer somewhere, a lot of it looks real and physical and there, and the hits hit hard. Um, the the, the deviants, the villains, are very cool in their design, but suffer from the looking all a little too similar thing. There's kind of a purpose to that. You, you'll see it when you get there. But um, they do, after a while, just fall into the same mold. Okay, multiple villains that all look the same. Hardy, hardy, har. Thing that Marvel always does. But, I don't know, the the the, the hits and the punches and the, the dirt and the grime just hit a little harder in this one. I don't know why. Um, you know, and... Just like with Guardians of the Galaxy, um, they really nailed the, hey, we're going for a big group dynamic film with a bunch of people that we haven't had five or six movies to establish, and we're just going to hit you with it and see if you latch on. And the cast really pulls it off, and where Guardians had like the, hey, this kind of feels and looks like Star Wars, everyone loves Star Wars, and kind of went for that frenetic, quick cut, jokey, fun, light thing, but then still fit some deep shit in there because Gunn is just a great filmmaker. Um, this one is going for the weirder, broader, think about what you just saw. Think about all of the weight on the shoulders of these characters. Um, and it, it really was quite a thing. It, it was, it felt like I was really watching something special. And so I'll leave you with that. Um, you know, I, I tend to try to not give number ratings to things like this, but, um, you know, my feeling is it's a it's in between an eight and a nine out of ten. Truthfully, I really mean that in is in the top rung of Marvel films, in my opinion. Um mostly because it's just so damn different. This is up with Black Panther is just feeling like it was a different approach to this kind of material. And uh I, I thought it was fantastic. I hope you all get out there and see it. And don't feel guilty if you liked the film Dune because Dune has gotten greenlit for its sequel, which means if the Eternals comes out and just wipes the floor with it for the rest of the box office, it doesn't matter because we can have both things and not have to pit everybody against each other. So go see Eternals. Stay for the credits, like I said, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye, 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 bye.